right, we're back on. Chris, how are you doing? We're back. I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, very well. You had a good, uh, a good week? Reasonably, yes. Decent week at work. The weather was slightly galling. Don't talk oh. about the... Listen, do not talk about the weather. Is it not going to be the irony of all ironies that we have the best summer for the, the, in the last 20 years and we don't get any cricket played at all? Yeah. Well, either that or it's going to be like this till July and they'll finally go, you can go out and play and then <laughs> That's piss it down. But, uh, well, I saw a picture, even Drumperlier looked in good nick in this weather. And that's so, saying something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it did, no, given the due, it looked an absolute spanking track. Yeah, it looked <laughs> absolutely great. I think even I could have scored, scored a few runs out there. And have you chosen your 10 friends? No, well, no, I didn't know what you meant. So what are my 10 friends? Is it 10 friends in cricket? No, 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 it's 10 friends. Apparently the UK government have said how they're going to come out of lockdown is that you've got to choose 10 friends. And these 10 uh -huh. friends are people that you can go and have, you know, you can, you can not do this, you don't need to do the social distancing. That feels very restrictive. Well, it's not just restrictive, it's <laughs> just the fact that, well, what happens if you're in my 10, but, but I'm not in your 10? How does that work? Yeah. Johnny, look, we can do this over Zoom quite easily, mate. <laughs> i tell you who else I spoke to, Carl Kurtzer. Uh-huh, what was he the, saying? The Scottish captain. So he's keen to come on. Um, yeah. And uh, do you know what? That uh, He made his debut, um, Matt. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to you, Matt, soon. Um, he made his Sorry. debut as a 14-year-old against West in that infamous... For Stonywood uh, Dice, in the infamous Corey Richards-Mark Gilchrist spat. I, I must have heard this, but what happened? Enlighten me once more. So, it's fair to say that Mark and Corey never really saw eye to eye, and Corey's yeah. fielding at short point, and so mm -hmm. Corey gobs on the ball, I mean a real greener, just horrible thing, gobs <laughs> on the ball, and then he throws it back to Mark, and Mark catches the ball, and it just goes in his face. <laughs> but Mark didn't actually know what had actually happened until um, Alistair Milne, who was fielding at mid-on, he tells him. And so Mark goes absolutely berserk, but doesn't do anything. He comes in to bowl the next ball and aims the ball at the back of the head of Corey Richards. <laughs> Hits him on the shoulder, and then it all just kicks off. Like there's handbags, and this is the middle of a game. It was the game that we won the, the, the first SNCL championship. And they're all having handbags. And this is Cal Kurtz's first ever game as a senior. Well, you made him, we made him the man he is today. <laughs> that formative experience wouldn't have got anywhere. Listen, listen, we're prattling on too much. Let's get Matt on. Matt, Stirling County, Skipper, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you guys getting on? Very well, very well. And I see that you've got your top on. Um, yeah, it's funny. You, before we got out of, or got into COVID, tell me, training, had you done much training? And where do you guys train over the winter? Yeah, we've done a bit. So we started training um, end of January, so at, at Dollar, so at the private, the private school in yeah, Dollar, yeah. they've got quite a good indoor facility. So as a club, we've been going there like each of the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. So we've done, I think we've done four out of our kind of seven sessions. Uh -huh. And then on just before the fifth one, that's when, you know, all this COVID stuff started kind of breaking out in the UK. A lot of sporting events were starting to get cancelled. Yeah. So then kind of the day before we thought, oh, we might as well cancel this just to make sure um, and just kind of follow what everyone else is doing. And obviously, not a lot since. So, yeah, we've done a bit. And I think we were kind of sh we were shaping up quite well. Everyone was really keen to get back into it. The winter training was going well. 
weather was looking quite good. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, put a bit of a halt to it. And a decent enough facility, quite a big facility there. So you managed to get your bowling and your batting in. Yeah, it's massive to be fair. So if you um, if you do like a full net, for example, you kind of bring the stumps about two yards away from one wall at the end. Yeah. Obviously, you have a twenty-two yard pitch, and then you probably have like a twenty-yard run-up as well. Exactly. So it's a really big hall, to be yeah. fair. So yeah. it's uh, it's a good facility. That's the dream. I think we always told the balance at West between having the indoor facility all year round, but Seymour is only having five yards to run in off, and some of them bowling off seventeen at you. So. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was absolutely no way when we're in the uh, in the Nissan hut at West doing our training, there's no way we can do any fielding, but I guess you could do a, a fairly good session as far as fielding is concerned. Yeah, it's not too bad. I think for we always do these kind of triangle fielding drills where you kind of throw one stump back up, throw it another, and you can kind of work it around the whole hall. But I have I have done sessions before where I've tried to like cram too much in. So you have like almost like corridors of people throwing and backing up and then balls kind of bounce off the walls each side so it gets yeah. a bit interesting but um yeah there's definitely enough space that we can do something at least half decent anyway so given the fact that i'm now talking about fielding you, you'll know where we're going with this <laughs> yeah. and I've, I've had i've had some thoughts as to whether or not we should show this video um, given the fact that we're trying to get Gus actually onto the show, and it may well be that once he sees this, then we're blown. But surely, realize, Johnny, that he or anybody else is watching or listening. So. Well, that's true. It's very, it's a very niche audience. But maybe this is the, this is the thing that we need in order to catapult ourselves into the stratosphere of podcasts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It could go that's one true. of two ways. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the screen. Um, Matthew, I don't think you've seen this. Um, so no, I'll set it. it up for you. I hadn't seen it until last week. Um, Chris had told me, have you seen the video? So it's a video of, of Gus Mackay, our, our Scottish cricket uh, uh, supremo, CEO. Um, and yep. I had appreciated he's a pretty crack hot cricketer. Played three times for yep. uh, Zimbabwe. Um, and it was clearly, back in the day, a pretty good player. Now, You'll see this video here, and I'm not too sure whether this was his last game or his first game. I think this was his first game. So um, I'll, I'll put it on. Um, and the, the thing is, it, it's quite funny because we've all gone through these fielding disasters, okay? But it's the commentary that is just the thing that sets it apart. So I'm going to share the screen. A... Uh, this is what the what this is what the listeners come for the dead silence. No, 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 no. <laughs> How quickly can we set it up? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I've got it. You see it, right? Here we yeah. go. When the yeah. Zimbabwe selectors rushed to bring in fielding supremo Gus Mackay, some asked why. This outfield uh, is very fast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a goodie. I'm rolling on top of it as well. Yeah, that's going to be a big bruise in the morning, isn't it? <laughs> For when it comes to ability in the field, some players are not to be outdone. I'm surprised he didn't do anything with his knee. No, I know. Oh. Oh, oh, they are never good. Well, at least trying. Very trying. 
but um, it didn't go in the direction in which he intended. <laughs> I hardly believe that. He had a really good chance of running out the Nashman. It's a horror show. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's definitely made a difference. I don't know. I just don't know what kind of difference is. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of those where you, where somebody's rocked up at training and told you they're an absolute gun. They've played yeah. really high standard some other country, and then it turns out they've just mugged you right off. But he must. Yeah. I mean, we've all had days like that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, but just to have that on TV, and then for for Channel Nine to sort of put that montage together. <laughs> yeah. Because when you put in <laughs> Gus Mackay, cricketer, that's all that that's what comes up. But oh. maybe that's what he's hoping to change by taking over at Cricket Scotland. He's hoping <laughs> so. to, to reset his legacy. You, you've got to think, hopefully, that something like that that you know that you can see the funny side of that. Yeah, I think so. Or were, you, were you not saying though that you'd seen an interview with him where he then just tried to? He tried to just blank it and move on to another subject. Well, he did. He did. The, the interviewer obviously said wanted to bring up the, the uh -huh. video, um, and he completely just blanked the whole thing and just talked about what a great day it was. And well, well why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Have you had any horror shows as far as um, fielding is concerned? Um, personally, I was definitely been a couple. I think the first one I remember. Um, I remember playing. I don't know how old it have been, about 14 or 15, right. playing for our second team. We are playing out in Leith, um, I think it was Leith Franklin Beige, and I remember, I think we scored about 180, and they were about 100, and maybe 160 for eight, I think, and their opener was still in, he was on 70 or 80. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like a deep mid-wicket, but not all the way to the boundary, and the guys flicked it off his hip, and it was literally just an absolute dolly straight down my throat. Oh, no. I've obviously binned it, and then they've gone on to win the game by a wicket. Oh, so quite, yeah. quite literally dropped the game there. Um, one one that one that popped into my mind actually just was funny just because it was a guy who so played with Gavin Anderson he played for Sterling for a long time for maybe fifteen years in total right. and I don't think I'd ever seen him drop a catch ever and he he hangs on to everything um, and then there was one game at home to Glasgow Ackies and I think again we'd not batted great maybe we got about one hundred and forty I think it was about in twenty sixteen I think and uh, their captain was in. Um, and he was on about 50 and they were about six or seven wickets down um, maybe he needed 40 odd to win and he's literally just just tried to hit a drive on the up and just hit a lollipop straight down Gav's throat I've never ever seen him drop a catch in about 10 years of cricket this goes straight in hits no. his hand straight down it's almost not quite as bad as the Joe Denley one but it was kind of similar oh, but it always man. just made me laugh because he was uh, I don't think I've ever seen him drop another catch and <laughs> <laughs> you were there to it's see it happened. Nothing worse yeah. though is that either at that point or I've done a few like first over of the game and it's I've got fifty overs to slog it out now and watch this guy <laughs> just churn them out. Yeah, every time oh. he hits a four, everybody's looking at you going, That's your fault. That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a we have a couple of we have a couple of funny ones in our club of um I think we had a we had a keeper uh, who dropped. I think it was a pro called um, Spall Jar. I think his second name was, and this was maybe about ten or fifteen years ago. And I remember he, he had a regulation catch just coming straight in when he was on zero, dropped it, and then he went on to get about one hundred and sixty. Oh. Um, we've had a couple of cases where keepers have dropped sort of an easy one down the leg side. I think Michael Paps got dropped on zero once, and then went on to make about one hundred and twenty. So we've got a couple of stories like that that, that come out in the cricket club every now and then. Oh, that's, just <laughs> that's, that's the absolute worst, I think, as well in Scottish cricket, where 
where how much the how much of a difference the pro makes. Where protecting yeah. somebody perhaps, and you just like drop it early, and you know you're just gonna have to sit and watch. And yeah, it's just a day of pain, isn't it? <laughs> so talking about days done? of pain, I, th- yeah, I think we didn't, we didn't cover you there. Any howlers for you? Um, I remember pitching up at a district game um, down in Dumfries, and I was uh-huh. I, I had been up having we had a party back at our flat. Um, and I didn't get to bed until about three o'clock. I was absolutely blazing. Um, and I remember falling out, quite literally falling out of bed. And for some reason, I had a razor blade uh, at the side of my bed, right? And I fell on the razor blade. So I ended up cutting my hand here, <laughs> tried to strap it up. Um, and then I remember fielding at uh, Dumfries. And, and back in those days, district game, it was a 60 over a side game. So you you get a stinking hangover. The ball starts getting shelled at you, and I I don't think I played another district game because clearly <laughs> I had an absolute nightmare. It was one of those days where you just think, just let me hide somewhere. Just yeah. I don't want don't. And of course the other thing happens, and the ball just gets shelled at you. Um, yeah, I tell you what, you it was the longest sixty overs that I've ever I've ever done. Yeah. So um, let's talk about prospects for play. Um, everybody who's come on up until now has got their own views, Matt, on what mm. is going to be happening. Any thoughts from, from you? Are we going to get play? And if that's going to be the case, what, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? I think um, from what, what it seems like in terms of what professional cricket's going through and what a lot of other sports are doing, I think... Sort of, we're nearly at the end of April now. I think May is pretty much a write-off. I think June is probably most likely a write-off. I guess, in terms of my hope, I would hope that because the second half of our season usually starts, it's either the last weekend of June or first weekend of July. I can't remember which one, but say for example, it's first weekend of July. I guess my hope is that we could try and get back to playing some cricket at the beginning of July and effectively get a second half of the season, and then. You know, September is always a nice month, or generally is is quite a, quite a nice month, and the weather's still quite warm. So, if there was any way that we could maybe extend in September to get two to three months of cricket, but I guess my loose hope is that come the the first game of the second half of the season, we we might be somewhere near getting back to playing some cricket. But it's a very difficult thing to predict, unfortunately. And as far as getting back and playing some cricket, how do you think that is going to to take place? Do you think that's going to be a T Twenty competition, just a a longer Scottish Cup or leagues? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think if 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 we did come back at the beginning of July, I don't see why we couldn't just play in a sense half a league season. So play the second half of the season, and then if you could play in September, um, I don't know, you could you could always come up with something a little bit different where you could maybe do a split or something like after nine games, second half, and then you could play the top five and then the bottom five throughout September. Or yeah, as you say, you could just do something completely different and play like a Scottish Cup where you have. I don't know, a slightly bigger group um, just to get, I don't know, five, six games in and then go into a knockout after that. It just, I think it just depends on when we get back. I guess we would, I would hope that we'd get like the second half of the league season um, would be my guess. And that would yeah. be the kind of the least of an impact that would, that would happen to the schedule if that happened. But yeah, just go wait and see. Chris, I think you're thinking sort of T20 was your view. Yeah, so we'll... Well, so I think, first of all, I think there was the ECB announcement, wasn't it? So they're not having anything until July. And I think Cricket Scotland, they're yep. making an announcement again in the next week and a half, two weeks. But uh, I, I, so yeah, as I'd said a couple of weeks ago, 
I don't think they'll want to do a half league season because just because of the unpredictability of the weather. So if yeah. you do you win the do you win the league playing weirs and the I mean playing the four teams that maybe finished in the bottom half last year and avoid Uddingston, Fergusley and Presswick say. But yeah. as somebody pointed out to me as well between this week and last twenty twenty stuff, if you've got more than two teams there on a day, on a Saturday, that's obviously do you mean you're going to have 40, 50 people around the ground just in terms of the people playing? So there's all sorts of stuff that I think will make it really, really difficult. Also, you've got stuff with how do you... Clubs aren't going to want to open up the bar and stuff in the clubhouse, I don't think, if that means having to start paying staff when you can't actually use the bar facility. So is actually playing cricket going to be financially viable for yeah. clubs? Certainly in yeah. the way we understand it. It's a, so I think, I think it's sadly it's just a waiting game. I have to say I've, I've been a bit more pessimistic about the whole thing um, you know with with their talk about bars and clubs being the last to come out of lockdown you're then thinking well if we do play any cricket then legally they shouldn't be opening the bar within the clubs and you yeah. make the point there well how are the clubs then going to be sustainable um, but you have to get into the clubhouses in order to change. And then you've got the social distancing thing. Um, and I'm, I'm just pretty pessimistic now from last week that we're going to get any cricket at all. I mean, England are, are talking about starting their season in, in July. And you've just got to be thinking if it, if it goes into the middle of July or into August, then people are just going to think, you know what, I'm not going to bother even playing. Um, I think it leaves us with an interesting point as well. So I don't know, Matt, if you heard, we had Tom Fleet on a couple of weeks ago and after Tom was off, we'd, Johnny and I were speaking a bit about sort of club sustainability and I guess how expensive cricket is to play. And I know for West that having the bar and stuff is essential. Like cricket costs, I mean, essentially costs money yeah, to yeah. play. And yeah. I assume that's the same position you guys are in. So yeah. yeah, it just puts people in a really, really difficult situation. Although I wonder whether you guys might be in a slightly different position just literally with the setup that you can probably open open changing rooms because they're not quite so directly linked to the bar and stuff like that. I guess there's probably some places that are better better set up than others, but how you manage all of that, I don't know. So is there any income at all coming yeah, think, through the club at the moment, Matt? I guess not. Not not really. I mean there may be maybe very Yeah, there may be there's still some subs. I think there's still I think as far as I can remember, the, the subs aren't, well, they're not being asked for at the moment. If people want to sort of pay as a donation, they mm -hmm. can, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously not being requested. But yeah, as you say, a lot of the a lot of the, the money that we actually get through the club comes through events. So we, we usually get sort of one pretty good event every month and we're kind of targeting sort of two big events. And that was obviously like 21st parties, you know, mm -hmm. just big gatherings of people. That's how we make our money. So um, the fact that, you know, all of that is going to be written off for, you know, a total period, probably six months at least, um, is, yeah, it's a big impact. I think that's a huge, a huge issue for pretty much most clubs are reliant not on the drip drip of the money coming in on a Saturday and a Sunday for club games. It's the big one-off events, the, the 18th yeah. birthdays, the 21st, the, you know, the funerals, etc. I know West, I don't think would be able to turn any sort of profit um, without these things. So once you take that away, then it becomes really, really tricky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Okay, listen, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about last season then. Um, so for you guys, 
And you tell us how you thought the season went, Matt. Well, it was it was interesting. It was a bit disjointed. I think is probably the the word I would use. Because um, I think we only played about I think we only played about ten games in total. I think we won four, maybe lost six. I think out of our ten games. Yeah, that's um, right. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. um, and. I think maybe four of those games were reduced overs, I think, off the top of my head. Very roughly, anyway. So I think we only had about six full games. I think we only played at home uh, uh, three times in total. I think only one of those games was a full 50-over game and wasn't reduced. So it was uh, it was really disjointed. And I think we actually did quite well in the end, I think, because we'd lost our first couple of games. We had a few weeks off um, before we'd won a game or even looked like getting close to winning a game. Um, so after that, to sort of win four out of the last eight, I think we did quite well. But it was mm. just very difficult to, yeah. you know, not train for a couple of weeks, play mm. a game. Then you'd play like a couple of league games in a row with a Scottish Cup game and you'd feel like you get some form back. Then you'd have two or three weeks off again. So it was difficult. But all in all, I think we, we ended up doing not too bad in the end. So the I first Sorry, so the first five games you had no results in three of them, um, and then you lost two. You never actually played East Kilbride and Drumpelia, so I guess no. if, if you put, um, you know, they on the basis they were two of the weakest sides, um, and yeah. East Kilbride never won anything, and Drumpelia I think won a couple. It could have yeah. been a lot different, I guess, had you played those games and uh, and managed to get wins out of there. But you must have been thinking, gosh, fifth week. Five weeks in a row you've lost. You're coming up to the sixth week against Pollock. Now, you ended up winning that game. Um, that must have been pretty crucial. Yeah, it was crucial. And I think it kind of actually played into our, our strength a bit that game because it was, again, rain-affected. So we have two pitches at Sterling. The bottom pitch was just a com completely soaked. So we spent about two and a half, three hours trying to get the top pitch playable. And we did, eventually. Um, and it was reduced to about 35 overs a side. And because throughout the season, we'd been struggling to bat time as a team. Um, so the fact it was 35 overs a side kind of played into our hands. We got up a half-decent total, and then we kind of bowled and fielded really well, um, which was probably our strength last year. Um, and we were able to restrict Pollock. And I don't know how much we won by, but it wasn't very much in the end. Um, and that, so that was quite big. And it was quite big that we managed to kind of cling on through quite a tight, situation as well and it gave us a wee bit of confidence and gave us a boost I think if we'd have lost that game um, we'd have found it pretty difficult after yeah. that so yeah made a big difference you ended up then going to Greenock a fortnight later and you 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 won there but I think yeah. for everybody the biggest I suppose win for you guys must have been the Fergus Lee game yeah and I always laugh about this. This was the game that I was actually away. This is my one uh, game of season that I let my <laughs> then girlfriend or my now fiance um, take me away from playing cricket. So one of her best friends was getting married. Um, right. So I was away and then I was like, oh, I wonder how the game's going to go. And then I heard that um, the guys had racked up like 260 or 255. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely smashed it. And I was like, right, that's me for the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, they played really well. I think um, I think Tom Bradburn got 50. Um I think uh, Amir Shazad got a 50, and I think Jasper Davidson got very nearly 50, maybe just below 50, 49ers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they did very, very well. And again, Bolden fielded pretty well after that. So, yeah, that was that was a good day. So, talk us through the, the following week's team talk. Oh, I don't know. I just didn't say anything. I was like, yeah. right, guys, I'm just going to get out first, Paul, and then you can do whatever you need to do to win the game. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Um, You've got four, I mean, I looked at the averages just before I came on um, and, you know, you finished mid-table, but I was surprised as to nobody ended up getting more than 200 aggregate 
um, you know, the, you were there or thereabouts. I think you had you had Jones, Shazad, yourself, 195, 181, 147, um, and then Bradburn, Davidson and, and Hewage all around about the 140s. But nobody really making a stellar impact last season. Is that a concern? Uh, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's so much of a concern for this year. I think it was a bit of a concern last year, obviously, because we were not really scoring enough runs to win games. So when we did win games, it was all very tight because we were just, just getting enough on the board and then bowling and fielding pretty well, which just got us over the line. Um, I think a lot of it came down to not playing as much cricket. I think the pitches probably weren't as good because a lot of them are, were a little, maybe a little underprepared with the, uh, just with the weather being so bad. I know that was the case at our ground sometimes when we travelled. Um, so there was a bit of that in it. And I just think none of us really got into any form. We all kind of got a 50 or a couple of 50s. But then other than that, there was just a lot of low scores. So I would I would hope that it's not something we replicate because the previous season, I think we had I think three guys got above 400 league runs or in and around yeah. that mark. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think it was some, including our amateur at the time, we might have had four. Um, around that mark or above. So hopefully with a better summer and more consistent play, we should hope we should get back to normal. Good. You guys as well, you had Jasper Davidson was at the Under-19s World Cup as well, wasn't he? I feel we've yeah. been doing the rounds of people that have had <laughs> players away at that tournament. How, what was the impact of that on him, did you reckon? Um, I don't know. I think in terms of, in terms of speaking to him very briefly and speaking to his dad, I've known his dad for a while, I think he, I think he really enjoyed the tournament. Um, I think it was a bit of a learning curve for like the team as a, in, in general, yeah. from what I've heard. Um, but it seemed like they all seemed they managed to take a lot out of it, and I think they kind of it was a good comparison as to where a lot of those a lot of those teams are. Because I mean, our amateur for 2018, Brandon McMullen, he played um, a bit of South Africa under 19. Um, through last winter and he played Pakistan under 19s um, and he said there was some kids in there that were like 16, 17 that were bowling like 85, 90 and he was just like it's it, it's just kind of un, it's uncom incomparable or uncomparable to what you would have at that level you know in Scotland or even in, in some sort of district games you get in England he just says the level was just so high so yeah it would have been a, a bit of a tough learning curve anyway. Yeah. It felt, it, watching the scorecards for it, it looked like it was a pretty, pretty rough learning curve. The Pakistan yeah. was ab an absolute massacre. Did Pakistan uh, not have a kid who was 16 who actually played in the test team? Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he even played in the World Cup because he'd already moved into the test team. So it wasn't uh -huh. like it was there. What could have been their from strength side? Yeah. But, um, yeah. And where were you, I guess? Because last year, Matt, you had, obviously two years ago, you had McMuffin who was absolutely brilliant. Uh, with bat and ball from what I remember yeah. and then last year it felt like that was one of the big things that maybe sort of contributed to struggling was him not being there were you did you have somebody planned to come over this year um, well for this year so Brandon is actually Brandon's actually moved has moved to the UK so he's at Sterling Uni now um, okay. so he is he's doing I don't know if it's a three or four year degree I can't remember actually I think it's four year degree um so he would effectively just be a player um, in being in Scotland for the next four years. So that so his kind of plan is to try and play a bit of cricket and then progress through Scotland and then sort of through the through the UK or down south. So um, yeah. so that that was obviously he was meant to come last year, but then all the the regulations changed in terms yeah, yeah, yeah. of what constituted like an amateur. Um, so yeah, we would have had him this year. Um, there was a couple that we would have lost. Um, but other than that, it would have been fairly similar. So, yeah, but I think Brandon took an awful lot of wickets. I don't know, 35, 40 wickets and scored 600-odd runs across all comps in 2018. So, yeah, he was 
big player for us. That's a huge contribution, isn't it? I mean, anybody who can score, you know, circa 400 runs and, and get above 25 wickets is, you know, an absolute standout, whether they be pro or whether they be overseas amateur or, or amateur. Yeah. yeah, I mean, considering all the, all the people that we've had, we've had a lot of, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of talented pros and amateurs over the last, like, 15, 20 years. But in terms of, like, the, the stats and the results which Brandon sort of put up at the end of the year, if you compare bowling and batting and fielding as well, I don't, I don't really think there's anyone that actually maybe compared to it stats-wise. I need to check, but, yeah, he was up there with the best that we've had, whether they've been, like, ex-international pros or, you know, 18-year-old amateurs. He's, he was yeah. really good. And what did he bring to the, the changing room as a sort of South African and playing at a, a pretty high level? I think it's just, um, I think cause he's quite a, he's quite like a, a fairly quiet lad. He's a very nice guy. He's, he's a very, very easy guy to get on with. Loves his sports. He plays a lot of cricket, plays a lot of golf, played a bit of rugby at school. So I think he's, he's just very enthusiastic for sport. But I think he has a good... Like a good quiet confidence about him, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't, he's not the kind of guy that's very nervous for a game and he's having to kind of bop about, talk to folk, and he just kind of quietly gets on with it. So I guess it, it kind of gives everyone a bit of a quiet confidence because he so, just sort of gets on with it. So it'd be fair to say he doesn't have any nervous tics or superstitions or anything like that, no? No, I don't think so. He's, I think he's, uh, he's more along the line of just keep it simple and, uh, and go from there, don't overthink it. He's not like that other South African who played test cricket, Neil McKenzie, who everybody knew. I mean, he, he got to the stage where he had to do 15 different things before he went out to bat. And of course, his teammates used to take the absolute piss out of him. And one time, <laughs> they, they um, uh, tied his bat, they taped his bat to the ceiling. Yeah, I've heard that story as well. Raging, and he took it off, went out and he scored 100. And every time since then, he's he, he Puts his bat on the on the, ceiling. Bat to the ceiling. Yeah, I've I've heard that story as well. That's funny. <laughs> Mental. Do you get any superstitions? No, not really. I'm not. I'm not too superstitious that way. Maybe I should get one. Maybe that'll make me better. But I don't oh, have Steph, any. What about what about what about putting your pads on? You must go left, or, or you must put your pads on the same way. Or maybe you haven't well, thought about it. No, that's, <laughs> that, that's that, the problem. I... When you start thinking about <laughs> these things, then you know the game's up. <laughs> Well, I, I used to do I used to do things like that when I was maybe like seventeen, eighteen. When I first started playing, um, like first team senior cricket, whenever I got you know the odd fifty, I'd be like, "What did I do?" If it was like something I ate before a game, or if it was like, "Yeah, what pad you put on first? But what I found was as soon as it went wrong the first time, I was like, "Oh, it doesn't work," and then I just gave up. So I never like persevered with anything. Oh, you're far too sensible. Yeah, as soon as I it mean, went wrong, I was like, "Doesn't work." If it doesn't work one hundred percent of the time, I'm not doing it. <laughs> What about you, Chris? Superstitions? Um, oddly, so oddly not for cricket. So I have, I'm really bad for, like it takes me about 20 minutes to leave the house in the morning once I've checked that all the doors are locked oh, and no. the taps are off and the oven's off and stuff. But with cricket, no. But it's not going to make any difference the standard of cricket I play at. <laughs> I could go out with, with bats taped to my legs and a pad in my hands. I still wouldn't score anything, so... Mark Gilchrist always wanted to be second last out, and of course, every, and of course, as soon as he said that to one of the guys, everybody was trying to make sure he was not the second last yeah. out. <laughs> that's second the thing. I think second. as soon as you tell people that's uh, you, you can, you're you dead. Can, you're dead. And I know we've got we've got a sort of six minutes left, so um, we'll we'll keep talking for another five minutes or so. I wanted to have a chat about equipment. 
Um, and is there a piece of equipment? I'm a big one for shoes. I like, I do a fair amount of running, so I, I like my shoes. Um, and I, I'm a bit fond of, of, you know, decent cricket shoes. What about yourself, Matt? Anything, bats, gloves, pads? What, what's your penchant? Well, I, um, I had the same bat for ages. I, I had a gun and Murph flare, and it was literally, it had, fall, it had been falling apart for like two or three years, but it was one of those things that whenever I uh, picked up another bat and it felt a bit different and it just wasn't what I was used to, I was like, no, I'll just go back to it. So I'd bought a bat two or three years ago, a Kukabra, like a Kahuna, a big Kahuna, and then it was like, it doesn't feel right, just went back to the flare. So I had to like keep taping down the face cover because there was like splinters of wood coming off. Uh -huh. Just because it was what I was used to, I was just so determined to persevere with it. But it eventually pretty much gave up the ghost last year. So I actually, funnily enough, went and got um, a new bat yesterday and I went and got the, the Gun and Moor Diamond, which is basically just the remade or the rebranded flare. So I'm definitely one for like a, like well, not superstition, but I don't like change, if that makes sense, for the kit that I use. <laughs> You're the anti, so. the anti-superstition. Yeah, exactly. It can't change. Um, but yeah, so I think in terms of um, the bat, I've always, I've, a lot of people, you know, if they don't play well for a couple of games, might change the bat or they'll carry five or six around. But I'm total opposite. I'm like, if you find something that works, try to stick to it. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's probably the main thing. Um, other than that, I don't have too many, too many um, kind of like big... And how much are you shelling out for a bat these days? Uh, you want to run a credit check here, Johnny? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What did I get? I think the, so I got the I got the diamond. Was it nine oh nine? I think it was. So there's like the really the really top level is like the original than a nine oh nine. Um, I think that was maybe two hundred and thirty quid. I think it was. Um, but I think if it's something, because usually my plan is to, as the last one, it was maybe one hundred and eighty quid, and it lasted me about you know eight nine years, probably a few years too long. But if this one lasts a few seasons, then I kind of think it's worth it in the end. Definitely. Definitely. I think I think mine for this, so I don't really have so much of a thing with like bats and all of that, but the one that annoys me with the standard that I play at, so see turning up to second and third team games, see when people don't have club kit, warm up in their whites, like see just if they don't take, you might not be playing well, but you have to play the game like a cricketer. You have yeah, to look at you If you're yeah, not yeah. going to do that, then there's no point in being there for me. Fair dues, fair dues. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left. I just wanted to, I went on to the, I think it was the Stirling County Facebook uh, uh, page at about yeah. half past 12 last night. And there was a fantastic video about Viv Richards in 1987. Absolutely okay. brilliant. Well, I've seen it to be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, you must go and see that. So I've been watching The Test. Have you watched that? The Test? The oh test. yeah, I love I, I love The Test actually. Uh, I yeah. watched it two or three weeks ago. Um, as, as part of being inside a lot more, I've actually been watching a lot more sporting documentaries, like anything that I can find. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, I watched The Test and I thought that was brilliant. I think getting like an insight, because obviously you, you, you see professional sportsmen on TV and you just think they are a bit like different, if you, if you know what I mean. But then when you, you actually get to see them day to day, you realise they go through the exact same stuff mm -hmm. that you do in an amateur world. It's just that they obviously yeah. are better at it and much better drilled but yeah i thought it was really interesting and what about books chris you but any cricket books that you've uh, read recently no i to be honest you know the only cricket books i think i've ever read was do you remember the glory gardens kids cricket books does anybody do you know them were they were like about this they were about that like a fictional like under 12s cricket team in england and it was like absolutely outrageous like just ridiculous things. They had like a World Cup at one point where there was like a team from Australia and South Africa and stuff came over. Brilliant. I had these like total like 
totally unrealistic ideas of what cricket was going to be like as I grew yeah. older. Um, yeah. No, what about you, Johnny? Cricket. So there's books? one book. I don't. You can't see that. Oh, there we go. I can see the bottom of it. I can see it says chap. Is it champion? Yeah. So it's a book called Think Like a Champion. It's a guy called Rudy Webster who back in the sort of 70s and 80s, he was the mind guy for the West Indies cricket team. And, and I took a year, I was a year in, uh, I took six months in Australia and he'd written a book in the late 80s um, called Winning Ways. And I brought it back and then some bastard nicked it. <laughs> and I've been always looking to see if he wrote a second book and he's written the second book. And it's fantastic because it's obviously all about cricket and it's all about the mind side of cricket. And he interviews all of the Pakistan, the South African, the Indian players. I mean, Dravid, um, Tendulkar, I mean, it's, it's pretty much up to speed. Um, and he's got chapters on performance, leadership and teamwork, self-confidence, concentration and pressure. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a pretty weighty tome. It's about 350 pages, um, but there are pictures in it. You, you <laughs> love it. Book though, don't you? Oh, I love you. That. Absolutely love sports psychology. I uh huh. I just uh huh. Not not that not this made me any better a player. <laughs> <laughs> just made me worry more. <laughs> just start doing all sorts of weird superstitious things. You need to get in the right mindset. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Listen, we've got a minute to go. Anything else for anybody else? No, nothing more for me. Matt, Listen, worst tea before we go. Worst tea in the West District. Oh yes, uh -huh. worst tea. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Oh, that's a toughie. I've been to. <laughs> I tell you, it's the best. I'll give you. I'll give you the best. West are pretty good in terms of like yes. the best. <laughs> West, West got a cracking tea. Give you that. Um, ah, well, I've been at weird a couple times. It's not been great. I mean, yeah, to be fair, I actually, I used to go down yeah. to. I used to go down to Pre Presswick. Used to do like a. Um, they used to just bring in like takeaway pizzas, I think. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh -huh. And I, I, a lot of guys in my team actually really liked it. I always hated it, so oh, I, I always felt rubbish after it. But then I think, yeah, they got. I think they got rid of that a couple of years ago. So to be fair, that's all good now. All right. um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything really bad. This is Mambo Number Five.